0: It's true. It's, true. Do you it's see what true. I'm saying? It happens all the time, and I didn't really want to bring it up. That's what I'm but saying. But I'm glad you addressed it Listen, because it
1: happens a lot. We're speaking about serious things today. Hello, and welcome to Unseen Unheard, the podcast where we discuss the Black disabled experience in the UK's music industry. My name's Joy Addo, and I'll be your host. Today I'm joined by a very special guest. It's probably easier to ask her what she can't do rather than what she can do because that is a very long list. <laughs> She's going to tell us all about it, but please welcome to the studio, Alexandra Amparo. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Did Thanks I pronounce you your last me. name right? Yeah, you did. <laughs> Ghanaian, it's the Ghanaian in me. Yeah,
0: and it's phonetic. You know, when people get it wrong, I'm like, it's just three (laughs)
1: syllables and it's phonetic. So, (laughs) but it's always like that, you know, people people get the simplest things wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, Alex, um, welcome to this episode. I always ask everyone the same thing to start off with, and I want a genuine answer. Okay. How are you feeling today?
0: I am tired as hell. I'm so tired
1: and I did have eight
0: hours last night but life's good like I'm happy I'm healthy but I'm extremely tired
1: how are you do you know what I'm I'm good I'm tired as well um but other than that I'm I'm good you know what we just I just get on with it Mm -hmm. that's what it is um but yeah I'm good thank you for asking um now Alex I think that me and you have something in common okay because I was looking at your Instagram yesterday yeah. and obviously your name's Alex my name's Joy but do you get that people sometimes mispronounce it as um <clears throat> Joy what are you gonna say <laughs> what are you gonna say no I'm just saying it happens to me a lot so some people mispronounce my name and I'm sure they did it to you as fine babes right you're a fine babes do you know what
0: it's true. It's true. Do you it's see what true. I'm It happens all the time. And I didn't really want to bring it up. That's what I'm but saying. But I'm glad you addressed it Listen, because it
1: happens a lot. We're speaking about serious things today. Yeah. And I'm just saying it's a real thing. It happens. So, guys, check out her Instagram and then you understand what I'm saying. Like, do how you know how do you deal with that? Uh, do you know what? It's just... Oh. <laughs> yeah. Try not to let it go to my head. Okay. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> And I was just like, no, it's not fine babes, it's joy. Yeah. That's what you just have to That's what
0: there. I need to do. I need to apply that to my life. Because I get a bit scared. I, like, I
1: don't really want to say,
0: mm. my name's Alex, not mm. fine babes. Yeah. But yeah, that's good advice. It's just like walking down the street, fine babes.
1: No, relax. Yeah. yeah. Like, there doesn't need to be a drama when I'm outside, you know? No. Yeah, I hear you. Alex, so apart from being called fine babes all the time, mm. right? Tell us a bit, tell everyone that's listening about what you do um can I just say yeah I would hate to edit your cv okay because it seems like there's a lot on it you do a lot Alex tell us sum it all up what do you do for work in the music industry okay so I am a live music promoter
0: so in a nutshell that basically means I organize tours um shows events gigs that kind of thing so if we have an artist that's um you know, in the middle of their album rollout or EP, whatever it is, a project, um, they'll come to someone like myself and say, hey, I want to do a tour or a show. And I'll be the person that organises that. I've been doing that for the last six years at the company I'm currently at. Um, but I'd say in total, I've been doing it for about 10 years. Um, I kind of started working in the music industry, like um, programming events at um, different venues and then moved into live and working with different artists and agents. Um, That's what I do on my day-to-day. And I also run a female-led collective called Women Connect, and we provide free opportunities for trans people, non-binary people, and women in the music industry. But those are the the main things. (laughs) There's a couple more things. I said you do
1: a lot. How many pages is your CV? Do
0: you know what? It is is like two and a half, (laughs) and it needs to be reduced, but... You know when you just don't have the time.
1: Mine's about two sentences. Stop it! <laughs> <laughs> Not two sentences. <laughs> um, Alex, have you always wanted to work in live events? Is this something that you've always wanted to do, or did it like you know did it develop over time? Because back in the day, I used to want to like do event management, mm-hmm. and then I changed my mind. But anyways, yeah. What, how did you kind of decide that you wanted to go on this path? Um... So
0: I didn't always want to be in the live music industry purely because I didn't even know these kind of jobs existed, mm-hmm. um, but I always knew I wanted to be somewhat musically inclined. I play the violin, so I've always kind of had like a musical background. But I've never well, when I was younger, I didn't really know like what was available to me. So I did a couple of internships here and there. Thought they wa- I mean, thought I wanted to work at a label. Um, definitely don't want to work at a label. <laughs> um, Shout out to all the labels out there. <laughs> And then turned 18, started working in bars just to kind of put myself for a uni. Um, and that's how I got to know a lot of people in the music industry um, and found out about jobs, you know, through just meeting people at certain establishments and found out about um,
1: promoting and I did an internship and then kind of went from there. Right. And how have you found navigating the music industry as a black woman? And then we'll come on to later about your disability. But tell me about that. Have you had any challenges in the industry being a woman, mm. being black? What's that been like? Um, it's been an interesting journey because um, I think
0: there's like two sides of the same coin for my personal journey. I've, you know, faced all kinds of you know discrimination, racism, all of that stuff. You know, we all we all do. Mm-hmm. It's just you know something that happens in life, unfortunately. But I've also been like incredibly blessed to have, like, such a great team who, like, amplify me and make sure I'm okay if, like, I have an incident or I've ever, you know, got myself into a situation where I feel uncomfortable. I've always had, like, great mentors and people around me to kind of coach me through those kind of things. Mm. Um, When I first started, like, 10 years ago, I remember I was working somewhere, and, um, I mean, obviously I won't mention, like, the name of the establishment, Mm -hmm. but where I was working, someone in the senior management team, I mean, I've got Afro hair, you know, So, but I had braids um, when I first started working there. And one day I'd come in without my braids. I'd like, take my braids out, you know. Don't little me twist you out. your hair. Make Not me changing it. Oh my, my God. hair. Oh I've my God. come in and someone in the senior management team was like, oh, you've got a nest on today. Oh my God. And Joy, I actually wanted to scream. I think I even fell to my knees because why would you say such a thing? And I was so shocked, but I was also young. So I didn't even know how to like approach it because he yeah. was trying to like slide a joke in but the joke w- had racial undertones yeah. I was just so
1: thrown off it's, um, yeah it's all these microaggressions in it that we have to deal with constantly yeah and you know you just said something interesting there about like not knowing what to say in that moment mm. and I think like this happens a lot with people is that the thing is it's like we put a lot of pressure on ourselves as well to be like do you know what if that happened again I would have done this this and this but yeah. actually sometimes you don't know what to say in the moment because yeah. you're shocked you're you know so I mean? shocked. Like you
0: can't believe someone's actually been brazen enough to say that to you. Yeah. And how do you even reply without sounding, you know, like a stereotype? And mm. to be honest, I really don't care like sounding, um, if I sound like a stereotype. Yeah. So luckily enough, there was someone else there and they heard. Mm-hmm. So I was I felt comfortable enough to say, you know, bring it up um at a later date and say like that was completely unacceptable and like you know you shouldn't be saying things like that and they did try and say oh it was a joke mm. but those kind of jokes don't fly with me and they should never fly yeah so yeah it, that was handled but at the time like in the moment it was so just scary and completely flabbergasting to be honest I was actually bamboozled mm.
1: Mm.
0: But again, I have had, like, quite an um, interesting journey, but a blessed journey as well. Like, my, my team, my managers, like, my mentor, everyone has been, like, so helpful and really tried to push me to, you know, different opportunities and, and really help me progress within the last, like, six years. So um, I think the pros have definitely outweighed the cons for me, but yeah. that doesn't mean the cons don't exist.
1: Yeah, and it's important to sometimes highlight those cons isn't it but it's good that you felt supported by by where you work because a lot of people don't Mm -hmm. um so i'm yeah i'm glad to hear that yeah alex talk to me a little bit about your disability so obviously on your instagram it says you're type 1 diabetic Mm -hmm. talk to me a bit about that type 1 diabetes (laughs)
0: guys it's not easy it's Mm -hmm. not easy i was diagnosed uh about 20 years ago now so i would have been like eight or nine years old Mm -hmm. um I obviously I was really young so my parents managed it for like a certain number of years before I took over and I was um you know doing my own injections testing my own blood sugar but in a nutshell um having diabetes type 1 anyway my pancreas is just null and void it doesn't work at all it doesn't produce any insulin Mm -hmm. so my I'm unable to by myself independently, regulate my blood sugars. So I'm managed um, by insulin. So depending on what I eat or if I'm doing exercise or if I'm ill, I'll change my doses um, based on that. Um, I actually, I don't know if you guys can see, but I have like a little sensor on the back of my arm, which has been massively helpful. Like it's there all the time. Right. I change every two weeks, but it doesn't come off in the shower or anything. Like it's just permanently on. Um, and it's pretty much changed my life because for, for years I was... You know, testing my blood sugar by pricking my finger and squeezing the blood and then putting on a little machine, um, which, you know, you get used to because I've had it for such a long time. But I noticed that my fingers were like hard mm. and it'd be really hard to squeeze the blood because I've tested my blood sugars for yeah. so long mm. over a, you know a number of years. So like the actual state of my hands was getting you know really bad and then i thought to myself okay i'm gonna reduce the number of times i'm testing my blood sugar because my hands my fingertips are so hard which is obviously not the greatest for diabetes because you need to know constantly what your blood sugar is and Mm. then they brought this out changed my life so it connects to my phone um and it just i just tap my phone on it via bluetooth and it just tell me what my blood sugar is that's a little needle in it so It does hurt when I'm applying it, but it's fine. It's just a little prick, and I think it's revolutionary. But with the diabetes, it has been a journey, you know. Mm -hmm. I've had, like, certain complications which are associated with diabetes, so I have problems with my eyes. um,
1: You and me both.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And you know the struggle, like, just... Sometimes I wear glasses and sometimes I wear contact lenses, but there's different things um, that are associated with, like, the actual health of my eyes. So I can have, like, blood spots that will, you know, blur the vision. And sometimes, you know, you're squinting, trying to see. No no lens is going to change, you know, that. So Mm -hmm. that's something that's been quite hard to deal with. Um, I also have another condition, um, chronic illness, called gastroparesis. And essentially my body can't really, um, it doesn't, digest food properly so I can eat um and the food will just sit in my stomach and instead of you know digesting and going to my intestines and then obviously you do what you have to do after that Mm -hmm. but my body doesn't do that so instead of digesting the food it makes me throw up right so um sometimes it's hard I guess because I really want to eat something like I'm starving but I can't because I know if I eat I'll throw up and it's anything it could be like a glass of water it would just come up Mm-hmm. you know soup eat it it'll come up um so what I have to do um when I'm having an episode is what it's called um sometimes I'll go to hospital for a period of time so and I'll put a, a tube through my nose mm-hmm. and it will bypass my stomach and go straight to my intestines right. and I'm fed like that which you know it's okay um I'm there usually for like around two weeks so my episodes usually last around like two weeks um a week of like throwing up and then week of recovery but i'll have the tube which will feed me during those moments so yeah
1: and how often do you have those episodes uh do you know what up until
0: maybe last year i had one at least once a month so i do two weeks in hospital two weeks out of hospital two weeks in two weeks out Mm -hmm. and i was doing that for like two years and then last year i got um an artificial pancreas with my diabetes um which is a pump, I'm not wearing it today, but it goes on the back of my arm Mm -hmm. and it pumps me with um, insulin throughout the day without me having to do the injections myself or, you know, and it connects to like my um, sensor and they kind of work together. Mm -hmm. So I had a pump and it did kind of improve um, with that. Um, So I think now it only really happens maybe once every three months, which is a vast improvement from two weeks on, two weeks off, two weeks on. Like I'm super grateful it's not as often because... I felt like my life came to a bit of a standstill you know mm. you're trying to have um we're well, trying to work but you can't really work because you're so tired and you're throwing yeah. up and all kinds of things and then you know I love my job mm. uh, but you can't go to events because you're gonna vomit and it's just not you can't just be in the crowd vomiting that kind of thing I mean you can but <laughs> it's not comfortable you know People
1: you think you're you drunk too much <laughs> yeah
0: I've had that so many times and I've yeah. got a taxi home and it's yeah. like I'm gonna vomit so I'll say how oh, can you stop the cab yeah. vomit and they're like mm, Your, you know? yeah so I don't
1: think that there could be anything other than that do yeah.
0: they I did start doing a disclaimer like when I'd get into a taxi be like, I've got this condition this is probably going to happen at some point during the journey home like just to let you know I'm not drunk but even if I was like <laughs> I'm you know I'm not vomiting in the car mm-hmm. like I'm I'm always asking them to stop and I'll get out yeah but it's just trying to Help people understand that there's so many different conditions that affect your body physically, you know, and mentally. So
1: yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, that part's been hard to navigate.
1: Yeah, no, I, I can imagine. And we were speaking about this a little bit before we started recording. But tell me a little bit about your experiences with people, because obviously, people can't see that you have a chronic illness; mm. they they can't tell. Um, what kind of situations have you gotten into? Because I think for someone like me who's blind, I have a, a cane. Like people can see it straight away; yeah. they just know, you know. Um, it's it, I feel like it's different. Like people have a different approach, but I have a lot of friends with hidden disabilities, mm. and they struggle because it's like you're constantly having to explain yourself. Yeah. But what what has your experience been
0: like? I mean, pretty much the same as your friends. Like it's it's hard to. There is one more thing I I kind of suffer with, and I've got hip impingements. So I've got very limited mobility in my hips. I can Mm. walk fine, but not for a long time. Mm. Or I can stand, but just not for a long time. So, you know, walking upstairs, hard, Mm. just Mm. all of those kind of things. And I think that's one of the things like I've struggled with when trying to like physically be out and about because the diabetes, I've had pretty much my whole life. So Mm. it's, I don't know any difference. So it's just second nature to me. Mm. The gastroparesis is a little bit new. I've had that for the last maybe six years. So I guess it's just, when I go places just letting people know that okay I do have this as well but when you appear able-bodied which is what we were speaking about um, earlier it's sometimes it's I don't know it's it's a hard situation to be in because I always feel like having to justify it is it doesn't feel comfortable for me yeah and um, that's the kind of stigma I'm trying to get rid of because I didn't speak about my diabetes for years I just kind of got on with things but You know, you go to a venue and all of a sudden you can't bring in um, the sweets or your dextrose tablets. They're like, oh, you know, you can't bring anything in. I'm like, I literally need to have this because Mm -hmm. if I like, you know, I have a hypo, which is when you have low blood sugar, I'm going to need the sweets. It's not a case of, oh, I can just walk back to the entrance and get the sweets. I can't walk. You know, I'm not coherent when I have one of those um, things happening. And just having to explain that all the time, I think there's a real lack of education around of the different things people can have yeah
1: um so I guess it's a
0: journey Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's a journey for sure
1: yeah and that's the thing isn't it it's about like you having to explain yourself to as well like so many different people that you come across I mean you work on in in events and stuff so you're like security guards things like that and it's like as you say it's not comfortable to have Mm. to tell people like what's going on so obviously that's why we want to like raise awareness with this podcast as well and let people understand that listen you can't always see everything what's going on do you yeah, know what i mean yeah. doesn't mean there's not things going on and actually when people tell you there's things going on you need to believe them mm-hmm. um, because i think that's another big another big thing that people often like try and explain to people what's going on and then they're not always believed no. um you mentioned earlier about, you know, there's been periods of time where you've had to be in hospital for two weeks and then working for two weeks. How does that affect your working life? Because obviously, you know, taking time off or if you're in the middle of trying to plan something, organise something, mm. it must be quite difficult. And also, like, if you don't know when things are going to happen. Um, how has that been for you? Like, how have your conditions affected your working life? So...
0: At first, I thought it was something I'd be able to manage, um, you know, independently. I, di- I didn't really want to speak to, like, my team about it because I just felt like, you know, you've got a lot to prove. You're still climbing the ladder in the industry. Like, you don't want anyone to think, oh, Alex can't do this or oh, I don't want to bother Alex or this opportunity is coming but I'm not going to even involve Alex because I just don't want her to be stressed kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it was also, you know, speaking to my team and managing how they felt about my disabilities as well you know saying to them okay I'll let you know like if I feel like I can't do something but always never you know be scared to say I need this to be done like mm-hmm. do you have the capacity I feel like it's always important to have that open dialogue and luckily for me my team are great if I'm off um, there's always someone to pick something up I just have to drop them a message and to be honest when I was doing two weeks on and two weeks off there'd be times where I was so ill um, there's also times I'd like pass out so I wasn't even really fully aware mm-hmm. that I was having an episode until like I wake up in the hospital and I'm like, oh no, it's Monday and it's 4 p.m. and I've not been answering my emails. Um, but if I didn't respond to one of my team members, they'd always know. They're like, okay, Alex hasn't responded in like two, three hours. Mm-hmm. She must be having an episode. Let me just get on with this. Yeah. And that's why I I love my team so much. They're literally like family because they they just know now. Even before I've had an episode, mm-hmm. they can tell like I've got a certain type of personality. You know, yeah. you get on the phone to them like, you're not right, are you? Like it's like we have a synergy now, so mm. that at first it was hard to work out because I just felt bad, you know? Like, I don't want to, I'm doing all of these things and I have all of these tools, but I don't want to offload that on someone else who is equally as busy. Yeah. But that's what your team are there for. If, if one of them was going through something,
1: 100%. I'm there to pick
0: it up. So yeah. it's just been great to have that support. And I know not everyone has that.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing, that's what makes a good team, though, isn't it? Because it's about making reasonable adjustments mm-hmm. for people. And clearly, I, I always feel like if you're, like... If you feel happy and supported in your role, yeah. you're going to do a better job. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? If you felt like you can't speak to them, you can't tell them, you know, like, it, it wouldn't work for either, either yeah. of you guys. So I think that's really good. And But as you said, like, not everyone has that same experience.
0: A lot of the stuff was new because to me, like, having the gastroparesis was, like, a bit of a shock. Um, when I got diagnosed, um, mm. i have been ill for ages, like, maybe three, four months, and mm. I just didn't know what was wrong. So when I was going to the hospital, um, they were telling me, oh, it's food poisoning or it's a bug, you mm. know, with your stomach. And I'm like, mm, I've been vomiting for, like, four weeks. I mm. feel like a bug doesn't really last that long. And yeah. then eventually they did tests and stuff, and then they found um, that I had a, a very slow digestive system, but just even like adjusting to that it's just been um, more like mentally hard for me because again you feel like you're impacting other people's lives like it's your problem so you deal with it but like we're a family we're a team so you know it's, it's nice to be able to like share that experience with my team and also you know people need to learn in life like and yeah. unless you speak about these things and have that open
1: dialogue how are people going to know yeah yeah 100%, but sometimes it's hard, isn't it, to get to that place where you feel comfortable to speak about it in order for people to learn.
0: Yeah. Does that make
1: sense? Ooh. It's like, and I guess you got to see, like, the positives in disclosing what's Ooh. going on. Um, but I think if people hear about people's experiences like yours, then they're more likely to disclose at, you know, wherever they're working because they'll be like, oh, look, like, she's doing it and she's got a supportive team and Ooh. she's, like... You know, um, I think, yeah, there is a big thing about disclosure. Um, Yeah, I understand why people are are scared because you're like, oh, you know,
0: are they going to fire me for this? Mm. Like, you know, you can think that the worst and and really that shouldn't be happening, but I'm sure it's happened, you know, and people having those reservations, you know, they're well within their right. I totally get it.
1: Yeah, it's a fast-paced industry as well, though, isn't it? The music industry. So it's like, I guess everyone's like, you want to be as good as you can at your job, and and no one wants to feel like a problem. But Mm. at the end of the day, like, people have got things going on. Mm. Um, I wanted to ask you, like, what what advice would you give to somebody listening or watching this podcast, um, that has a chronic illness, wants to get into the music industry is just a bit nervous, um, not really sure what roles they can do, like, what advice would you give them? Um, how would you, like, encourage them?
0: Um, I would say, I think, first of all, um, when you apply for jobs or if you're having an interview or maybe you're in the stages where you've, you know, you've got to the last stages of the interview or you maybe even got the job always just believe in yourself and also having um, honest conversations with your employer about your abilities is is always helpful because there's nothing worse than trying to push yourself outside of your capabilities because then you're able to um, unable to, you know, kind of work to your, I guess your, to your best. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something I definitely did and I totally regret it because why was I pushing myself beyond my means? You know, yeah. I think having honest conversations like I can do um, X amount of days in the office or I get tired because of this and Mm -hmm. this is what I need you to put in place for me and employers should do that for you like I know discrimination definitely exists but it's always better to be honest because then you're not um, overexerting yourself beyond what you can actually do and health is really important so and I think that comes before any job. 100%
1: I agree um Alex do you think like is there any like message that you would send to the industry itself to people that are employing people what would you say to them what do you think needs to change
0: I think um if I was to give a message to people who are you know employing people of different capabilities I'd say educate yourself on um whatever disability is that people are maybe coming to you to speak about and just in general because it's always better to have a wealth of knowledge than to know nothing at all and I think as human beings we it we're always learning you know things change and it's nice to learn but no man's an island as well we're all here to work together Mm -hmm. and that's how we become stronger so I think you know having that sense of community around disability and accessibility is really important and looking into ways that you can kind of change um you know, office dynamic and people's ignorance, people's education, yeah. even, you know, things like having a sufficient ramp in the, in the workspace for people who are unable to use the stairs, um, just little changes like that can make the workplace so much more comfortable just for everybody because, you know, we're all different.
1: Yeah, we are all different. And the thing is as well, is like anything can happen to anyone at any point mm-hmm. And I think people sometimes forget that a lot of the time, if something doesn't um, directly affect mm-hmm. you, you just kind of. Don't worry about it, but I think it's really important if you are like an employer in the music industry to remember that like you're, don't wanna, you don't want you don't want to miss out on talent, you mm, know, uh-huh. just because maybe there's people that are worried about applying for jobs or speaking about what they are actually going through. Uh-huh. Um So yeah, I, don't, I just I don't want anyone to miss out on the amazing talent yeah, that there is, and it's like in, you know inclusivity is so important. Like, why
0: should people be frozen out because they don't fit? You know the quota or the standard that you, you have in a, a certain place. And not everywhere like that. There's a lot of positive spaces for, um, you know, disabled people. Um, but there needs to be more. There yeah. needs to be way more. Because in the music industry, like, I could, I could, you know, pull out the stats. And, and they're probably very... Sh- I mean, I know they're very shocking because I was looking at them the other day. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. you know, things need to change. And I think um, it's just important to, like, make that a priority.
1: 100%. And hopefully the report, Unseen, Unheard and this podcast helps start that conversation because mm-hmm. that's what it is. It's just a conversation yeah. that, well, many conversations probably that need to happen. Mm. Um, yeah. But Alex, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. joining me, me today. It's been um, a great chat. It really has. Um, guys, as I said check out Alex's Instagram. Okay. Um, and check out mine too. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, check um, us out. Our names <laughs> are Joy and Alex. Not fine babes. Deal with it. <laughs> um, Alex, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Unseen Unheard. If you would like more information on the report, please go to the Attitudes Everything's website or the Black Lives in Music's website, where you can read the whole report and find out more.